Welcome to the Community Caregivers Connected Podcast, where we talk about how to raise healthy kids. In this series, we'll tackle every topic from substance use to mental health and relationships. In these episodes, we'll hear from a group of professionals, parents, and youth. Questions or topic ideas can be submitted on our website at spokaneprevention.com. You're listening to the Community Caregivers Connected podcast. We're the Spokane County Prevention Team, sitting down with parents, professionals, youth, and others in Spokane to talk about how we can raise healthy kids and empower our community. This month, we're talking about mental health. We have a dynamic group of individuals who will share their stories and shed some light on the mental health crisis in our country and in Spokane. Some of the content may be triggering or distressing, so please practice self-care. Understanding issues concerning mental health and suicide is an important way for us to take part in prevention and help others who are facing hardships. Help us keep up the conversation. If you are concerned about someone that may be facing a mental health difficulty, reach out to SAMHSA's National Helpline at 1-800-273-8255 or suicidepreventionlifeline.org. You are not alone, and we are here to help. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to us at spokaneprevention at gmail.com. This week is really exciting. I get to sit down with our very own Grace Wolkowski as we talk about her experience of being diagnosed with depression as a teenager. This episode is especially fun for me because Grace and I are not only co-workers, but she is one of my best friends. All right. Welcome back to the Community Caregivers Connected podcast. Uh, This is Kirsten Fuchs, the coalition coordinator for the East Valley Community Coalition. And we've invited our lovely friend, Grace Wolkowski, from the Shadow Prevention and Wellness Coalition chat with us this week about mental health. Um, Again, remembering that some of the topics and things we're going to be talking about today could be triggering, so just remember to practice self-care. Welcome, Grace. We're so glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll just, we'll go from there. Totally. So, I actually am not a Spokane native. I'm from up by Canada over on the west side of Washington. And I'm currently the coalition coordinator for Shadle Prevention and Wellness Coalition. I was raised by separated parents, but both were pretty active in my life. He is 28 now. Wow, he's an adult, isn't he? Um, and then Ben is 17 months older than me, so he is 23. Yeah. I am also uh, have two siblings too, so that resonates with me. <laughs> one of them is a lot younger than me; the other one's a little too close. Um, but yeah. So, uh, what did do you want to? What's your why for being in this work, Grace? Like, why do you? Why did you decide prevention? How did you end up here? Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, I I am a person that believes in human stories, and I believe in that no one goes into their job without a rationale, whether that's, you know, a a giving service like coalition coordinating or prevention science or something like even accounting or finance, which we typically think is a little bit more mundane and the day-to-day aspect and the day-to-day aspect. Um, I was raised in a rural community that didn't have a lot of resources and I kind of saw that how that affected my family when we needed mental health resources. Um, I was diagnosed with depression when I was 14 and kind of the steps my family had to take to ensure 
I could get medication and I could go to therapy and I could do all the things that were needed to ensure my safety and my well-being, um, I think looked different than if I was in a city. I also have a brother, Ben, who's struggled with a couple different aspects of just physical and mental health and just, yeah, the steps my mom had to take and the time she had to take off of work to drive us to the closest city really played a role in me wanting to support communities that uh, were resource scarce like my own. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Grace. I think that's really important. Um, I grew up in a really rural area, too, and we always go town. And each time we went into Spokane, because um, we just lived right outside of it. And I know how difficult it can be to come from a community that's really tight knit um, and talks uh, to each other a lot. But then, uh, you know, you have to go outside to seek resources. Um, what do else do you want to talk about today? Do you want to talk about um, if you can we're talking about uh, your experience being diagnosed with depression? I'm sure there are a lot of other people, myself included, who have also been diagnosed um, and would love to, you know, hear from you about your experience and how it really changed uh, your outlook and, and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. So. I think to do that, I need to start before myself almost. Um, so my mom also has depression for myself almost. Um, so my mom also has depression and she's medicated for that. She has been my whole life or as long as I can remember. And she's always been very open about that. My mom is a nurse and she, she felt it was super important to Kind of talk about that taboo, any taboo topic with us wholeheartedly to ensure our well-being in the long term. So when I was little, not like wildly little, maybe elementary, middle school, the conversation started of like, hey, I take my vitamins every morning, these medications. They're not for you guys right now in any way, shape or form, but I take them because I have depression. This is what depression is. You guys need to know these signs and symptoms because there's a genetic proportion that goes into depression. So that was a conversation that we had pretty early on. It's like, here's signs and symptoms of depression. Here's things that we need to know. If you need to know, if you're having a bad day, how's that different than being sad versus depressed versus whatever aspect? Yeah. So yeah. we could really find that in ourselves. And I think that played a huge role in me knowing my own need with mental health. I think I started to recognize signs and symptoms of myself in about seventh grade. And I didn't initially go to my mom, which is kind of funny to think about now because she had made it so easy for me to go to her. Yeah. And it was her job, right? Like, so she was a pediatric nurse and she's my mom and she did everything with us and was so open about what she needed. But I confided in a friend instead and I was like, hey, I'm kind of having these thoughts that I don't think are normal. And that person became my safe space for a while. And she ended up, that that friend ended up going to a school counselor and was like, someone needs to tell Grace's mom. And that's what got me the help I needed to be okay long-term. And it was long-term. And it was kind of weird also, just because my brother Isaac was diagnosed with depression. He's six years older, so he was diagnosed in high school so I must have been in elementary school and I was aware of that and what that journey looked like for him so it was kind of interesting but yeah it, my mom being so open I think helped a lot with my acceptance of myself 
long term with it. Yeah. Um, I think what you're touching on here is that really important thing we talk about in prevention, that it's having a trusted adult and a trusted person. So whether that's a friend that's looking out for you or that's a parent or a school counselor, um, we know that you two have someone that they trust to go to are less likely to to participate in other those other risky behaviors and talking about taking maybe depression to the level of suicidal idea that platform that she had to share um, with her kids and make sure that you have that safe space. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I think that's something I feel so lucky about, and it's strengthened my relationship with my mom. She's someone I talk to regularly. She's my best friend. Um, and I started my antidepressants at 14, and I was medicated for, I think, six years. And then in college, I worked with a, a licensed counselor and psychiatrist to kind of get off the medication just because I was at a point where I had built the coping mechanisms and the resiliency, and I knew myself enough to know I didn't need that every single day. That's not to say maybe I won't need them one day. Right now, that's not what I need in my life, and I feel very lucky in that sense. That's the opposite for my brother Isaac. Um, he was not medicated initially, and that worked for him, and then later in life, he chose to go on medication, and it's just the journey that we've all had, and it was interesting with that, like, interesting with that, like, I remember I was in high school and spent the weekend at my dad's and I at that point wasn't allowed to have my own medication so I had to give it to my dad to be in charge of um, and he did not have the same acceptance for mental health that my mom did and it ended up really affecting our relationship long term just because it was like I'm kind of telling you I need this thing why is my depression not treated the same as a broken bone um, and it wasn't and it affected how much I told him and he wasn't a safe space because of that situation whereas my mother really allowed that. I think that's um, a really important experience as a youth and I think a lot of people our age would agree with that. Um, my parents are from the generation before millennials but not the boomer generation and so they too have some of those kind of, I guess you could say like traditional, those kind of, I guess you could say like traditional or like backwards kind of, I guess, thoughts about how mental health is really like a moral failing and how, you know, all of those things that have to do with how, uh, how you deal with life and rather not that genetic component that you're talking about. Um, I mean, we have alcoholism in our family, and I think it's really important that that's something we should have talked about when I was younger and said, hey, you know, we have this environmental, like, genetic factor that's going on. Like, when you think about drinking when you're older, let's talk about what that might look like and what some signs and symptoms of alcoholism are. And I think that's great that your mom had that conversation when you were younger, so you were able to recognize your genetic predisposition to depression, which helped you then reach out and get services when you were younger and I don't think a lot of people have that opportunity um do you want to speak more to speak more to like that conversation or more to how we could help other people like other parents have that conversation with their kids as like from a child's perspective like what did she say to you what made you really feel like I can go to her with these issues that I'm having with my mental health totally yeah so I don't think there was a time 
So I think everyone wants that perfect family and that perfect structure. Everyone from the outside wants to look beautiful, whether your family dynamic is a single parent, double parent, or parent. Um, I had two moms and two dads by the time I graduated high school, so that blended family was my life. Um, we were still a perfect family, regardless of whatever was happening in the inside. Um, and I think us being willing to talk about those quote unquote dirty topics allowed us to be stronger. So I think time that I wasn't allowed to kind of talk about that and express my emotions. Um, it was very much like I take my mom being like, I take medication Medication is different than vitamins. You guys take your multivitamins every morning, and that's good for you. My antidepressants are good for me in the same sense. Um, you guys don't need them. If you need them one day, that's okay. And then it was more like, as we got older, depression is different than sadness in this sense, and slowly building the foundation the older we got. And it was very tailored to my siblings and I how I as a female perceived and needed that from my female parents is different than how Isaac needed it as the oldest kid and as a male. Um, and Ben's relationship, my brother Ben has some developmental disabilities, so his conversation looked different and what he needed was different too. So ensuring it's not just a blanket statement, but you're really having, it's not just a blanket statement, but you're really having that one-on-one -on -one relationship with your kid of like, this is what this looks like for me. This doesn't mean that will be your life, but this is something you need to know to know better how to love others, I think. I think that's, I think that's really great. Um, I love your mom, Grace. Um, <laughs> love that woman to death already. Um, I love that she was able to tailor it to, to each child. And I think that's what we've kind of talked about in this series. And the previous series is that each child is different. And we don't know what factors are going to affect them. And we don't, you know, some students just may have more protective factors and they just may be able to um, deal with things and be far more resilient than others. And there's no causation between, uh, you know, you just saying like, yeah, we have depression, we have mental illness in our family. Um, and so that doesn't mean that the illness in our family um, and so that doesn't mean that I'm going to, but it was great that your mom was able to kind of be like, okay, so these are things that we can do to help mitigate this and help you feel better right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it's not going to happen in the future, but that doesn't mean that that's going to ruin your life. Like, I love that she was able to have that conversation when you were younger and then tailor it to like your developmental age as well. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Um, I, I'm just, I love that you had an open family dynamic like that. It's not that, like, my family didn't talk about stuff like that. We really didn't, but it was just, it was never, you're right, it's a taboo topic, and it's stigmatized, and what's really happening is we're stigmatizing a really important issue, and then families aren't having that way to, to have those conversations with each other. It was so important to think being from a small town, one, my town had a thousand people. Everyone knows everyone's dirty laundry. Oh, yeah. If we were to just pretend that we were great, someone would have figured it out, right? And that puts so much shame and guilt on the kid, even though it's not their fault. Um, my mom was very clear with us, like, just because she 
past this and we have this genetic predisposition, that does not mean that we will have depression. Um, it doesn't mean that anything. And she kind of talked a bit more about like, this is a risk factor, but we have other protective factors that make our family strong. And over yeah. the years, like as we got older, I had plenty of friends who ended up coming to my mom and being like, hey, I'm having these thoughts and I don't know what to do. And my mom became that safe space for all the people in the community because she was so open with us and allowed us to be vulnerable in a very accepting way. And we weren't the family that did family meetings or anything like that, with family meetings or anything like that, which hindsight would have been so helpful just because that's mm-hmm. what makes a strong family. But she encouraged like communication skills in a different way. We made sure we had breakfast together every day. So yeah, she's promoting that family bonding that really kept you guys connected to each other. And that also helped to become that trusted adult for other people and other youth in the community. Um, You're really speaking to this, this whole, we talk about the social development strategy all the time in prevention and people are always like, what does that mean? But if you think of it as like a tree that like um, healthy relationships, like with family, um, you know, bloom and a lot of that the core, the root of that is family bonding and having that opportunity for parents to have that conversation, even over just simply having breakfast. You think about that, that stuck out to you as a kid. Um, my mom always had a snack after school. So I just remember getting off the bus and I always had a snack after school. She always made snack and sometimes it was like banana bread or whatever. But I just remember that being something that allowed us to sit down like as kids with our mom and have that conversation about how was your day? What's going on? You know, what is life? You know, what's going on in life? Um, but that really promoted that family bonding. And that's exactly what you're talking about, that your mom really promoted that. And that helped you understand that your family was strong, even in the the light of the fact that, you, you know, you may have a pre-genetic disposition to, to, uh, to depression or to other mental illness. You know, my mom was a single mom. We lived an hour away from the school. Um, so we were up at five on the school bus by like six-ish. Um, my mom worked in town. So then she would be working and she wouldn't get off until five. We got home at five and then the boys and I have piano, or piano or whatever, all of our extracurricular yeah. activities. And it wasn't feasible for us or my mom to make a homemade dinner every night. That just wasn't in our cards and that's okay and that doesn't make us any less of a family no made us a family was the quality time we found and sometimes that quality time looked different um my mom also worked very hard to ensure one week a year none of us had school or work and whether we stayed home or went somewhere that was our time to bond as a family and be strong yeah and I think that helped a lot Something else my mom did when I was 14, and I, I started my medication on my 14th birthday, which is kind of weird, like hindsight. We couldn't have waited a day. Like, come on. Um, but so on my 14th birthday, I started my medication. And a huge fear of mine was like, how do I have to, I have to go to sleepovers now and be that girl that takes a pill. It was so hard on me. Because I wanted, again, to be that perfect kid who doesn't need that. Yeah, you want to be normal. It's not quote unquote, you know, normal. And to make Amy feel less than normal. And my mom sat me down and she told me about her experience and how when she started 
she didn't want people to know either, but it helps. It's a way for advocating for others without inherently saying anything. Um, yeah. And taking medication isn't a bad thing. Needing a little bit extra help through, um, like, medical help. It's even the same thing you said earlier. Why is my mental health not being treated the same as, like, a broken bone? No one's going to say anything to you if you're taking an, a pain medication or another medication for a mental or for a physical illness the same way that we shouldn't treat a mental illness that way. Like, That's you're healing true. your brain. What my mom ended up doing was, again, being from a small town, her friends were my friends were my friend's parents, and she kind of sat one with one named Tracy. She sat Tracy down and was like, "Here's what's happening with my daughter. Um, here's what her fears are. What can we do to support her?" And so then Tracy, Megan, my mom, and I all talked together about like this is what Grace is going through. This is what Grace needs right now. And this is what support looks like. And we did that with a couple of my main close friends that had been friends most of my life. Yeah. And that really helped me because it wasn't me as a 14-year-old telling these kids my age, like, yeah, you're really, really sad, but it's different than your guys. It's sad. Like, yeah. It's, it's a sad, scary sad. It was my mom being like, this is a medical condition. This is normal. And this is us as a, a team taking care yeah. of each other. Yeah. Um, I love that. And I really appreciate you sharing your experience regarding that just because everyone's is so different. Some everyone's is so different. Some people, you know, recognize those signs about um, mental illness early on when they're younger. And some of them don't realize it until they're a lot older. Um, or some people just don't deal with it in general, just because, you know, it is so taboo sometimes. And having those conversations with other people is really cool. But um, I appreciate you sharing um, and being vulnerable with that just because I don't know. I still think it takes a lot of courage to share that um, just because that's not something that we, you know, that we still talk about as a society. But um, what any other thoughts you have for us? Any other like pearls of wisdom you that you have to give to us? Any other things that maybe your mom shared with you that you could share with other parents? all of this and I called my brothers and everything so they all knew and I look like with my mom and she's back on the west side of Washington so it's like the evening and she's like you know something about my mental health is I never missed work and she was really proud like yes because she had, even though she had depression and she had hard nights and she'd be like tonight it's just a bad night Grace I really just need to be sad and that was always okay in our family to have sad nights we could just call them bad nights but a sad night, a mental health night, a mental health day, whatever. But then she texted me later in the evening last night. She was like, no, like, I didn't miss work, but I did miss some things in your life. And she, I think, still holds a little bit of guilt around that. But I think, like, she wasn't at every single track meet I went to. She wasn't at every single band practice. She wasn't at those things. But that never made her worse of a mom. Like, she showed up every single day, regardless of the things that were happening in the world. And she taught me so early on, it's okay to not be so early on, it's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to be vulnerable, period. And I, if any parent or kid wants to take one thing from this, I just want to promote, like, someone sees you, 
someone sees how hard you're working, even if you can't show up every single day, even if you don't make every single thing, you are still a great person, a great parent, and you're still doing well. And your vulnerability in the long run is going to make a lasting impact. And that's what really matters, I think. Wow, that's hard to follow up. Um, <laughs> but that's exactly right. I mean, I read this once that uh, this professor was telling a, a student, it's better to do something poorly than to not do it at all. And it's like, yeah, sometimes the act of brushing your teeth at night is really just something you don't want to do. But it's better to brush your teeth for 30 seconds than to not brush your teeth. Um, and I guess that's that is just exactly what resonated with me when you, just exactly what resonated with me when you were saying that, you know, your mom still showed up even though sometimes she felt she couldn't, but she did it. Yeah. And people still saw her. You still saw her. You saw her effort and she saw your effort. And that's really all that matters is showing up. And we just don't realize as young kids how important being having a parent or another trusted adult doesn't have to be a parent, it could be a grandparent. Um, I had a really close friend whose mom was like a mentor to me in high school and having her show up to like something was really important to me, but that made me feel good. And thinking about how important it was that someone just showed up for me. Um, I think that's, that's like the key here. Also, she was a single mom with three kids, and all of us were in 15 million extracurriculars. And we, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah and we lived an hour away from school. And my mom worked like two hours to pick up food for these things and to make sure that we all could live our lives, right? No, she didn't make it to every single track meet. I didn't need her there. She showed up when she could, and she made that conscious effort once or twice a year, and that was enough for me, and that means the world. I think when I was little, I wanted a mom who showed up to everything, but also hindsight, she showed up 10 times more in 10 times different ways. Exactly. She showed up more in when it came to helping you develop those, yeah, yeah those skills that you really needed to enter exactly. adulthood. And like, she emotionally has supported me and she has provided with me emotional intelligence and um, professional development in a way that I think has allowed my brother and I to be successful regardless of our mental health and that we have never felt held back by our diagnosis. And that was really important to us. Yeah. Well, thanks, Grace, for sharing. I know that um, you and I are close friends and so we share a lot more with each other about, you know, about this kind of stuff and about our childhood and about, you know, mental health and our own struggles and all of that. But it can be really difficult to like be out there and tell other people and to tell other parents, especially that we're not parents, it's kind of mm -hmm. hard for people to be like, well, what do they know? But um, we just, we speak from our experiences and your experience is that you had a parent who shut up for you emotionally mm -hmm. and shared that information with you. And that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why you're doing the job that you're doing is you want to be that trusted adult for some of those kids mm -hmm. that maybe don't have that person. Um, and you can just see how big of a difference that made in your life. Um, so, um, yeah, thank you for joining us. I know this was, um, you know, it, it can be hard to have this conversation. So again, I just really appreciate that we could have it. And I hope that it encourages other people to have just a conversation like this and be like, Hey, let's talk about mental, mental health. Um, because it really, it shouldn't be stigmatized like we, like we do.
conversation. There's so many resources in Spokane um, that we talked about in the other episodes, but I also think it's okay to start a conversation with, hey, I want to start talking about mental health more with you. I don't know everything right now. Let's learn together. That honesty, I think, is is the key. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody knows what they're doing. There's no rule book for parenting. Um, there's no rule book for adulthood. No one just like wrote down everything. It was like, here are all the secrets. This is how you do it. Um, so again, yeah, maybe it's just that point of reaching out and saying, Hey, I want to talk to you about this, like your mom and saying, Hey, I want to talk to you about this, like your mom did, where she was just like, I don't know everything. I know what it's like for me. So let's talk about this and then we'll see where it goes. Um, and I think that's just, yeah, our, our ask of parents and other people who are listening that even if you aren't a parent or if you have a child in your life. Um, of any capacity. Um, I think about my nieces and nephews that I just hope that I can be that trusted adult when they're, you know, at that age that they may experience some of this, that they're like, hey, I can go to my aunt because we've had those conversations where she's established like, hey, I don't know everything, but this is what I know. And I want to be here in case you need help. Yeah. Well, thank you, Grace. Um, We'll link some resources on uh, the podcast site, some of those resources Grace was just mentioning. Um, so that way uh, you can uh, access them if you have any um, questions um, or concerns regarding. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Grace. <laughs> Next week, we have a special treat. Melinda Brown, our student assistance professional supervisor, and Jeff Hayward, a PA at Chaz, sit down in front of a live audience and answer some questions regarding mental health and wellness. The Community Caregivers Connected podcast is made possible with funding through the Washington State Healthcare Authority, drug-free community grant funds from the CDC, and new ESD 101. Questions or topic ideas can be submitted on our website at spokanprevention.com.